You're listening to the Judicial Watch Weekly Update with Tom Fitton. Hey everyone, Judicial Watch President Tom Fitton here with our weekly update on social media. A lot going on here in Washington, D.C. this week. Of course, there's a war going on in Europe, uh, but there's a big scandal tied to that war, and uh, it escalated significantly with the release of uh, a news report by the New York Times about Hunter Biden and his laptop. I'll get into the details with you there. Plus, Judicial Watch is in court now against CRT-type quotas in California. We had a big court hearing there. Uh, We've got a trial going on against illicit gerrymandering in the state of Maryland uh, by the Democrat legislature there. We filed a lawsuit to get more information on the Durham investigation and perhaps Justice Department efforts uh, to uh, mess with it. Uh, Plus, we filed a big brief on behalf of lawyers who are being victimized by the court's for standing up uh, for free and fair elections and contesting the 2020 elections uh, through the law, they're being retaliated against. And so it's really outrageous what's going on, and I'll talk to you about that uh, important brief that we filed. First up, big news about the Hunter Biden laptop. It may not be new news to you, especially if you've been following Judicial Watch or the New York Post or our friend John Solomon or Miranda Devine, who uh, has a book out about the Hunter Biden laptop and the associated scandals. But finally, the New York Times has uh, deemed to acknowledge 17 months after it was first reported by the New York Post that there are these emails that are the subject of Justice Department investigation uh, concerning Hunter Biden and his dealings abroad. And the emails implicate, it looks like to me, and to pretty much anyone else's look at this, his father in this what I would call a RICO scheme, a racketeering operation uh, to use the president's office or the at the time the vice president's office uh, to uh, bring in cash uh, to the Biden family machine. Now, the New York Times um, pretended these emails haven't existed until this report came out uh, just this week. Hunter Biden paid tax bill, but broad federal investigation continues. Now, remember, if you were talking about these emails in October, if you had highlighted this New York Post story, you had Twitter, uh, 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 they suspended the account of the New York Post. You had other big tech try to pretend uh, that this story was not valid and censored Millions of Americans, including yours truly, who are trying to get the truth out about this. And of course, the big media was trying to poo-poo this investigation, this story. They were trying to protect Joe Biden. And uh, it's not surprising Democrats would try to minimize this. And I I don't necessarily blame them for trying to minimize it. Uh, But they all knew otherwise. You know, it's one thing to say, well, you know, I don't believe this. It's another thing to say, to know that you, uh, that what is being alleged is likely true, or you know it to be true, and then lie about it, which is what really, what is, uh, which is exactly what the Biden campaign did, and people like Adam Schiff did. So you had this massive censorship designed to protect Joe Biden's candidacy for the presidency. Now, if that's not election interference, I don't know what is. I mean, that's how you rig an election in plain sight. Don't you agree? And so the New York Times, a day late and a dollar short, has uh, 
finally admitted these emails exist. This is the key part of the story, at least in, in terms of that regard. People familiar with the investigation, so the Justice Department has been sitting on this since at least December of 2019. They had the emails back then, or the laptop back then. There was a tax investigation, according to the New York Times report, that began under the Obama administration into what Hunter was up to. And now supposedly it's a criminal investigation, the longest criminal investigation in the history of man. I say that sarcastically, uh, but it's obviously uh, being stretched out, in my view, to protect Joe. People familiar with the investigation said prosecutors had examined emails between Mr. Biden, Mr. Archer. Archer was one of uh, Hunter's business partners and and evidently was in uh, business with Joe Biden and others about Burisma. Where's Burisma in Ukraine? Another foreign business activity. Those emails were obtained by the New York Times from a cache of files that appears to have come from a laptop abandoned by Mr. Biden in a Delaware repair shop. The emails and others in the cache were authenticated by people familiar with them and with the investigation. So if I had read this in October 2020, this video would have been deleted. Twitter would have banned me. Uh, YouTube would have prohibited it from being distributed, probably take the video down. Same on Facebook. And I would have been accused by fact checkers, the liberal uh, enforcement squad of uh, putting out disinformation. So finally, the New York Times uh, admits the truth. Uh, but and of course, there's a lot of interest in that because they're finally admitting it after Joe Biden wins the election. And the question is, why is it coming out now? And I'm reading a story, and I think it's coming out now because there's this effort to derail any criminal prosecution of Hunter Biden, because I think a criminal prosecution of Hunter Biden necessarily implicates uh, Joe Biden. The investigation, as I said, began as a tax inquiry under the Obama administration. So they've been looking at Hunter forever and a day. And includes possible criminal violations of laws now, tax laws, as well as foreign lobbying and money laundering rules. I would add bribery based on the information that I've seen. Now, what's going on is the Justice Department is thinking of ways. Remember, the Justice Department is controlled by the deep state. And I say that as a shorthand for uh, liberal activists who uh, hate Donald Trump are largely Democrat in orientation and uh, don't want to enforce the rule of law against their political allies. That's, that's the Justice Department. Now, does it mean everyone in the Justice Department's like that? Of course not. But that's generally the way the Justice Department operates. Hence this leak. Hence the Justice Department saying that uh, they may have trouble proving Biden intentionally intentionally violated the Foreign Agents Registration Act, which requires disclosure to the Justice Department. And so their thinking is that maybe they'll just go for a civil penalty for Biden's failure to follow these uh, foreign agent registration requirements. Who was he a foreign agent for? They're, they're kind of vague on that, aren't they? It's Burisma, it's Ukraine, it's China perhaps. And the, and, and the outrage is now they're back, according to the New York Times, to suggesting that this foreign agents registration law, which up until the Trump administration had almost always been the subject of civil enforcement only, meaning you had to file the form if you hadn't filed it. 
and that was the end of it. Maybe you paid a fine or just uh, fixed it that way. But when Trump came to town and Trump was running, they used it to prosecute people criminally. That's what they tried to uh, falsely uh, accuse uh, uh, General Flynn of violating. Yeah, I know, I know uh, Flynn admitted to criminal violations of law related to Farah, but he withdrew that plea, so he hasn't admitted to anything under the law. They went after Manafort, I think, if I recall correctly, for violating that law criminally. And they hadn't really done any criminal prosecutions under that law until Trump came to town. Now they're going to revert back to the norm to protect Hunter and Joe. But, you know, maybe they'll do something more substantial. And there's another uh, organization uh, or entity tied to Joe, uh, to Hunter Biden, Blue Star Strategies that Judicial Watch has highlighted in some of the documents we've uncovered as uh, pushing for Burisma here in the United States, trying to get, I think it was a meeting with uh, or suggesting they could get a meeting with Hillary Clinton. I mean, so there was even a Clinton corruption angle to this Ukraine scandal with involving Hunter Biden and Joe Biden. We've got the documents on that. And the other disclosure the Times makes, because a lot of what the Times talks about in the emails have been reported elsewhere. But the news in this story that hasn't been reported elsewhere is that Hunter Biden last year paid off a million dollar tax bill. It's not clear where he got the money. I thought he was had no money. And the thinking is he paid that off so it would be harder for prosecutors to make the case that he committed a crime in failing, you know, hiding income or failing to file taxes. Now, typically, that's not um, that necessarily doesn't necessarily mean that you won't get prosecuted. Uh, but that's the angle they're playing here. And again, to me, it's prepping the battle space to justify not prosecuting uh, Hunter Biden for any criminal activity. The prosecutors, but this is more interesting because this is the money laundering and some of the underlying criminal activity that is tied to the tax issue. Prosecutors had investigated payments and gifts Biden's or Biden or his associates had received from foreign interests, including a vehicle paid for by using funds from a company associated uh, with a Kazakh oligarch, Kazakhstan, a diamond from a Chicago energy tycoon, and prosecutors also saw documents related to corporate entities through which Mr. Biden and his associates conducted business with interests around the world. And then the story goes into the debate they had about whether um, this Foreign Agents Registration Act would be something they could prosecute. But the emails that the New York Times has, quote, authenticated, it's not quite sure, I'm not quite sure how they, quote, authenticated it. I'd be interested to know, I'd be interested to know because it looks to me like uh, Biden's lawyers probably leaked some of this stuff. Did Biden's lawyers authenticate it for him? For the New York Times? And if so, how does that compare with what Biden, uh, both Joe Biden and Hunter Biden has said about this laptop? Where they disavowed it largely. So there's an email in April of 2014 where Hunter Biden outlined his vision for working with Burisma. Again, this Ukraine company that was Russia friendly. In the email, Hunter indicated that the forthcoming announcement of a trip to Ukraine by Vice President Biden, who's referred to in the email as my guy. The big guy is in different notes that were released subsequently. 
should be characterized as part of our, our advice and thinking, but what will he? But what he will say and do is out of our hands. So here you have them at least trying to leverage Joe Biden's trip to Ukraine for their business interests. He suggested enlisting a law firm where he worked at the time to help Burisma through direct discussions at State Energy and NSC. So you have Hunter Biden wanting to use, um, wanting to lobby the Biden White House on behalf of this Ukrainian company. This is what the emails show, according to the New York Times. So, you know, if you've been watching me the last few weeks, I've been talking to you about how this Ukraine scandal that Biden has been in undermines our national security. These emails, further confirmed by the New York Times, highlight this. There's no doubt Biden is implicated here. They've basically confirmed previously reported stories. I think John Solomon first reported the story uh, that Biden likely attended a meeting while he was vice president with a Burisma official while he was here to, in Washington, D.C. So I tell you, this is the worst, you know, when I say it's the worst scandal in American history, what I'm saying is that you had President Trump then and then candidate Trump spied on and maligned and smeared by the Obama gang about Russia. You had a Ukraine angle being used against him as well by the Clinton gang working with the Obama gang while they knew that Biden was corrupt, literally through his family's dealings in China and elsewhere and Ukraine and, and Kazakhstan, for instance, Kazakhstan. And uh, Trump starts asking questions about it once he's president of Ukraine. And what do they do? They try to impeach him for highlighting the corruption and seeking accountability for what went on there. And we have the Justice Department knowing, at least since 2019, if not sooner, that Hunter Biden was likely engaged in criminal activity. And now it's the um, we're almost a year and a half into the Biden presidency. There's been a criminal investigation going on in the Justice Department out of the Delaware U.S. Attorney's Office. And we're supposed and, and supposedly it's a U.S. attorney up there who's been there during Bush and Obama and Trump nominated him. And that's supposed to reassure us that that's going to be a uh, uh, an investigation free of conflict of interest. Having the home state prosecutors in Delaware investigate Joe, I don't, or Hunter in this regard, I don't buy that. The special counsel regulations of the Justice Department require a special counsel be appointed. I objected to a special counsel being appointed for Joe Biden, for President Trump. Here, his son is being investigated by his Justice Department. That's not a conflict of interest that wouldn't require a special counsel. Of course it does. And the fact that one hasn't been appointed highlights the corruption of the Justice Department, that they have one set of rules. It's not, it's not even a different set of rules. They're actually being consistent, which is they only go after their enemies and they protect their friends. I joked on Twitter, you see Jesse Smollett was released from prison this week outrageously. 
people are complaining about it. And I said, you know, if you think he's getting treated with kid gloves, wait till you see how Hunter Biden and Joe Biden have been treated. There needs to be a special counsel. And in, in the meantime, Judicial Watch is going to continue its independent investigations. I mean, we highlighted, as I've discussed, uh, how the Burisma had Hillary Clinton's campaign in its sights. We highlighted how the Obama State Department knew that there was a corruption issue for Joe Biden that Russia was taking advantage of and arguably interfering with our foreign affairs. Now, do you think that hasn't got, do you think that's gotten worse or better since Biden has become president? I think the war in Ukraine tells you it became worse because it's long been my view that Putin has Biden's number because of these corruption stories. So the big news is, again, New York Times confirms material about the Hunter Biden laptop that implicates Joe Biden in criminal activity. The Justice Department doesn't evidently want to do much or is afraid to do anything. So they're setting up, um, you know, slap, a slap on the wrist for Hunter while protecting Joe. And one way at least to better ensure justice, although it's no guarantee, is to make sure that there's a special counsel uh, appointed that can't be as controlled directly uh, by the deep state Justice Department. Now, again, I don't want to overstate whether that will mean uh, justice will be done, uh, but under this current rubric, it certainly ain't going to get done. And certainly there's enough here to begin an impeachment inquiry of Joe Biden, don't you think? Why not? Trump was, uh, Trump was impeached for asking questions about Biden's corruption. We have evidence of Biden's corruption, enough to warrant an impeachment inquiry in the least. You got a lot of people running for office right now this year. Why don't you ask them questions about whether they support impeachment of Joe Biden or begin or even want to think about it? There's got to be accountability, and Judicial Watch has litigation to try to get accountability here. I mean, we even did simple, basic investigative work, like uncovering that Hunter Biden had Secret Service protection. Uh, well, actually, we asked the Secret Service for Hunter Biden's uh, travel records, because we knew Secret Service was protecting Hunter while he was, um, while uh, Vice President Biden was vice president. That's that's appropriate. There's nothing Ill illegal about that happening. But it gives you an idea. But because we can ask about where the Secret Service was going, we could figure out where Hunter was going. And he had trips to 29 different countries, including a trip to Russia, including five trips to China. And that was only the first five and a half years of the uh, of the Obama administrations. Because then Hunter ditched the Secret Service and he didn't have any records anymore. All that was uncovered by Judicial Watch. So we're doing this basic legwork that um, the New York Times refused to do. I mean, there's still nothing in the New York Times about 10% for the big guy. The big guy obviously being Joe Biden, right? So we're going to continue pushing separately and independently. And um, as the war in Ukraine shows, uh, 
uh, this corruption has a national security implication beyond measure. So what I love about Judicial Watch is that we're into so much. And, uh, you know, if you're concerned about an issue, we're likely concerned about an issue. And I know many of you are concerned about what happened in the 2020 election. And what the left is trying to do now is they're trying to suggest that anyone who had concerns about the way the 2020 election was handled, uh, whether the outcome was accurate or not, it's not even a question about debating you. They want to make it seem like you're a terrorist. I mean, that's the position of the Biden administration their national security divisions. I've highlighted that previously on this program. You have the January 6th Rump Committee harassing American citizens based on their First Amendment freedoms in retaliation for them objecting to the way the elections were conducted and, and challenging uh, and disputing the election, which is their right under the federal law and our constitution. And now you had all sorts of litigation, you may recall, that the left celebrates is all being dismissed. And of course, it's much more complicated than that. But now they're trying to punish the lawyers who asked questions and litigated some of the concerns that people had about the elections. And the most famous lawyer in that regard, perhaps, is Sidney Powell. And there are some other litigants and lawyers who were uh, pursuing some of these cases in the various states. Now, you know, the, the problem when you are challenging election results or the way elections are run after election, you've got really a small window of time. So it's really uh, it's really quick and dirty. You got to run the court uh, and and make your challenge because certainly in a presidential election you've got this compressed time frame because the decision making is done within let's say November December you know two months so you don't have a lot of time so you run the court you try to make your case and you have obligations as a lawyer uh, to make your case in good faith and not brings things you know to be false to the court and or uh, arguments or legal positions that you know to be false uh, and, and frivolous to the court. That's obviously basic legal ethics 101. Now, what's happened is that the left has decided that any lawyers who did that need to be disbarred, jailed, prosecuted, investigated, have their emails taken, all sorts of things including some courts who are frankly more anti, uh, more about making Trump look bad than enforcing the rule of law here. And Judicial Watch uh, uh, really uh, is troubled by this because, you know, we do election litigation. We're involved in these sensitive areas of law. Are they going to come and try to shut us down? Chill our speech? And what happened to Sidney Powell is that uh, a U.S. District Court in Michigan uh, sanctioned her and other attorneys who had brought some cases related to the Michigan election, the presidential election, at least, uh, in, in Michigan. As we say, and we filed an amicus brief because Sidney uh, Powell has appealed this, uh, we filed an amicus brief. So we're not afraid. You know, everyone's supposed to denounce Sidney Powell. We're not afraid to say Sidney Powell had a right to bring these cases and she shouldn't be held to a standard no other lawyer would be held to, to punish her in retaliation for asking questions the, uh, the establishment didn't want asked.
Judicial Watch argues that improperly sanctioning lawyers for bringing civil rights litigation on elections will have a chilling effect. Voting and election litigation constitutes some of the most contentious political forms of civil rights litigation. These qualities are even more acute in post-election disputes where litigation schedules are compressed and available information is limited and often dynamic. Nevertheless, the prosecution and defense of election disputes play an important role in our electoral and political process. As a conservative advocacy group that often brings election and voting lawsuits, including those to enforce federal and state election integrity laws, Judicial Watch has a particular interest in the issues at stake here. If the decision of the district court is affirmed and the appellants are sanctioned, the precedent will be weaponized to threaten legitimate parties prosecuting election integrity claims. And what the court did here, in my view, was particularly outrageous. And, and I encourage you to read the full amicus brief, which is available online at judicialwatch.org, is that, for instance, this is and, and there are some complicated legal issues that I, 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 I'm not capable of getting into here. Uh, but, for instance, the court yelled at Sidney Powell for bringing claims that were thrown out by other courts. But what the court didn't acknowledge is the claims were subsequently thrown out by other courts. So she's being punished by what, for what courts subsequently did. And that's just one example of the abuse of discretion as we highlight here. Court sanctioning lawyers pursuing election law claims in the heat of an election is a dangerous game. Don't you agree? And it could allow election corruption to go unchecked. That's the goal of the left here. One of these left-wing groups, they're now in the process of raising millions of dollars to target every lawyer who disputed elections. Every citizen who potentially wanted to participate as alternative electors in these election disputes. I've never seen anything like it before in American history. This partisan retaliation and harassment of lawyers involved in litigating a 2020 election dispute is unprecedented and undermines the rule of law. And the court should have no part of it. And it's a shame the district court judge did what she did. And I'm hoping the appeals court pays attention to what we filed and protects you by protecting Sidney Powell and protects you by telling this lower court you can't be punishing you can't be punishing lawyers for trying as they see fit to use the law to preserve their rights and the rights of the candidates they represent in election disputes that's what they want to do they want to outlaw election disputes from the wrong people and that's what's interesting about Judicial Watch's case that's going on right now in Maryland. You've had all these leftists charger, uh, uh, challenging gerrymandering uh, 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 by Republican ele Republicans, allegedly, all throughout uh, the United States. And one of the worst gerrymanders is by the Democrat legislature of Maryland. And so it's up to Judicial Watch to come in and represent voters, at least under Maryland state law and constitution, who objected to this gerrymander. 
So just to let you know, we've had this trial going on, as I talked about a little bit last week, this week. So I'm not sure how the court's going to rule. It probably will be appealed one way or another, no matter how the court rules. But we're literally in court trying to vindicate the rule of law and protect the rights of voters. And I tell you, there's so few of us on our side of the uh, philosophical divide on election integrity that do this type of work. This is why these threats to target the lawyers is a dire threat to election integrity generally. Because how do you enforce the rules of law on election integrity if you don't have people willing to do it? You just can't say only one side can do it. Those who want to undermine election integrity are the only ones allowed to go to court. You can only go to court if you challenge voter ID. I mean, that's the less point of view here. Or you can only challenge elections if you're a leftist. Al Gore can challenge the elections and seek redress in the courts. Donald Trump can't. Rules for thee and not for me. That's the left's approach to the rule of law and Judicial Watch is gonna stand against it. So we're Judicial Watch is in trial in Annapolis, Maryland. And we were in a court hearing at the same time, practically speaking, in California. We had a uh, major court hearing on our lawsuit that we had against California's outrageous uh, CRT-based, critical theory-based, racial, ethnicity, LGBT quotas for corporate boards out there. California, which is run by extremists of the left, has decided that anti-discrimination laws in California uh, that um, prohibit discrimination under its constitution uh, don't matter anymore. And they're just going to discriminate on the basis of all those categories to advance their radical agenda. And uh, we filed a lawsuit on behalf of taxpayers who challenged illegal expenditures for that type of illegal discriminatory mandate. And we separately had had a lawsuit that we had already just, we just finished a trial on. We don't have a decision from the judge there yet, challenging a quota mandate for based on sex. And that trial lasted several weeks. So here our trial is set for, on, on uh, what happened was they passed this law mandating sex quotas on corporate boards in California, and then they followed it up with a law mandating these additional quotas based on race, ethnicity, and LGBT status. So it's just quota after quota after quota, all prohibited quite plainly by the California Constitution. And so what happened is, so we're going to go to trial. The trial's been set, I believe, for May. And uh, both sides want summary judgment. And what does summary judgment mean? A, I'll warn you, I'm not a lawyer, so take this for what it's worth. It means one side wants the other side to lose summarily. We don't need to go to trial. And in the case of Judicial Watch and our clients, we say we proved our case, the other side should lose their case. We don't need a trial. And that's what the other side's saying about our case. So we had the hearing about that summary judgment fight 
on uh, earlier this week, as I said, in California. And it looks like the court is uh, very much concerned about what we're concerned about. So to be clear, what we had argued is that the uh, expenditure of taxpayer funds or taxpayer finance resources on this law is illegal under the California Constitution. A Senate floor analysis, the Senate in the California legislature, they even acknowledged this. They produced uh, uh, material during deliberations on the legislation that concluded the bill draws distinctions based on race and ethnicity and therefore, quote, is suspect and that the existence of general societal discrimination will not ordinarily satisfy courts. Frankly, there isn't even evidence of general societal discrimination. Also, according to another committee, they said the bill will result in ongoing costs in the hundreds of thousands of dollars to gather demographic information and compile a report on this data on its internet website. So what the state has come in, they tried to kind of short circuit our case by saying, oh, we're not spending any money on this, so there's no taxpayer issue. Well, they are, they're compiling reports for potential future enforcement which they're pretending not to be interested in to try to subvert this litigation. And I don't think the court's going to buy it. And of course, in opposing the state's efforts to summarily dismiss us, uh, we highlight how the uh, defendant's justifications uh, plainly embody stereotypes that treat individuals as the product of their race, ethnicity, sexual orientation, or transgender status, evaluating their thoughts and efforts. They're very worth as citizens according to criterion barred by the government, to the government by history and the constitution. In the end, this law is simply a numerical set aside that amounts to racial, ethnic, and LGBT balancing. Racial balancing, we cited a case, is not transformed from patently unconstitutional to a compelling state interest simply by relabeling it racial diversity. So this is a C, uh, I say C, C, uh, CRT, but it's critical theory agenda in a nutshell. Treat everyone according to race and other uh, immutable characteristics or sometimes changeable characteristics because some of this is self-identified. I mean, I don't even know how it works if you self-identify based on, is, but certainly on transgender status. Isn't that self-identification? Does that count to, be, to being a male or female or what? I don't understand it. Of course, it's, it's, it's not designed to make sense. It's designed to be a mandate from the government. They don't care, but it's discrimination no matter how you slice it. California would require corporate board quotas based on race, ethnicity, and LGBT status. The law is the most significant attack in the modern era on constitutional prohibitions against discrimination. You know, and it's pretty simple. Our taxpayer clients seek to protect the rule of law and ensure that taxpayer resources are not illegally used to advance blatant and pernicious race and other discrimination. So you really have this war on anti-discrimination laws, war on the Constitution by the left. I mean, they pretend to be against racism, but they want to actually enshrine it in law and treat you not as a citizen, but as a member of a particular demographic that changes. I mean, as the court, I read the uh, court transcript, maybe we can post it online later, you know, the court was saying, you know, 
Someone from Spain might be protected, but not someone from Portugal or vice versa. I mean, he highlighted the absurdity of this. So I don't know how the court's going to rule in terms of summary judgment or, um, you know, basically knocking the case out one way or another, hopefully on our behalf or, or in support of our case or whether he's going to want to go to trial. But isn't this outrageous? And this is the sort of thing the Justice Department ought to be doing if they believe in civil rights, but it doesn't believe in civil rights. It's this critical theory, repackaged Marxism, that would have the state counting who, what people are doing what based on race and other categories in a way that is anti-human. Because it treats people as uh, categories of race and sex and other categories as opposed to uh, people as individuals, all of whom deserve equal respect under the law. So I'm proud that we're doing this work. It's important work. No one else is doing it but your judicial watch, of course, with your support. So I'll let you know when we hear back from the court or if we go to trial. So uh, I've talked often about special counsels, and I think special counsels are of dubious nature or dubious constitutionality, especially if they're being used to investigate presidents. That being said, that argument I tried to make during the Trump administration, but we were told special counsels were the most important thing in the world, and we needed it. And they appointed one against Trump. Now we have a special counsel that was appointed by, I think, Attorney General, well, I know by Attorney General Barr, who's continuing to investigate the targeting of Trump. He's had three indictments over three years, one indictment which ended in a plea agreement that was kind of a disaster, two more indictments which were quite substantial, one of Hillary Clinton's lawyer and the other of Hillary Clinton's um, agent who was working for her campaign, uh, a Russian agent who was working for her campaign and helping concoct the fake dossier smear against Trump. Now, one of the things we're interested in is how the Garland Justice Department is dealing with the Durham Special Counsel. The Durham Special Counsel obviously can't, uh, it seems to me it would be obvious, this probably doesn't have too many friends in the Biden Justice Department. So that's why we sued, or we asked for records of communications, including emails and text messages, between Special Counsel Durham and Attorney General Merrick Garland. One of the reasons we're asking about this is because senators have raised concerns, quite sensibly, about whether the Justice Department was in potential conflict with the Durham investigation because, for instance, there's a senior Justice Department official, Susan Hennessy, had previously made statements attacking the Durham investigation directly. I think she runs her the National Security Division at the Justice Department. Maybe one of my colleagues can fact check me to make sure that's correct as I'm uh, talking here. Um, she had said in December 2021 or actually the senator said in December 2021, they pointed out uh, some material that she had uh, tweeted out. Like, for instance, Durham has made abundantly clear that in a year and a half, he hasn't come up with anything, which is kind of true. I guess this kind of partisan silliness had become a characteristic of Barr's legacy, but unclear to me why Durham would want to go along with it. 
So Durham's investigation, as I said, began in April or May of 2019. He was appointed special counsel in October 2020. He's only had three prosecutions. So I'm excited about some of the more recent disclosures he's made in his indictments and court filings, but it is mighty slow. So that's one of the reasons we're asking for his budget. We want budget records related to the operations of the Office of Special Counsel, uh, John Durham. We have a right to that information, and they've been slow walking the information. And I don't understand why it is it takes a federal lawsuit to get basic information and simple request answers, such as how many emails and texts could there between could there between uh, could there be between Garland and Durham? Either there are some, or you know, there's probably a few. If there are not a few, maybe there's none. Just tell us and tell us where you searched to make sure that you did a fair search. And how many budget records are there? There can't be that many. Just give them to us. And here we've had to sue the Justice Department, who is the chief law enforcement agency of the United States federal government who refuses to follow federal FOIA law. One of the worst violators of FOIA is the Justice Department. Not because they're less transparent than other agencies, they're just as bad as other agencies, more or less, but because they've got this particular obligation to enforce the rule of law, and they don't want to when it comes to their own operations, which includes the FBI, by the way. So everyone should be held accountable. Garland should be held accountable. Durham should be held accountable. I want him to move faster. What has he been spending his money on? As I said, two prosecutions since he's special counsel, or three. We have a right to know. It's our money. And I suspect that Judicial Watch has, has, has done a much, has done with far less. Uh, we have gotten more information about what the uh, Obama gate operation was all about in terms of the targeting of Donald Trump, the worst corruption scandal in American history than Durham has thus far. So we'll see what they give us. But, you know, we have a right to get basic information about what Durham's up to. Don't you agree? And that means getting budget information. And if Garland is messing with Durham, we want to know that too. So a lot going on. And we are only able to do all this work. Litigation in Annapolis, litigation in Washington, D.C. against the Justice Department, litigation in California against the state of California. With your support. And I encourage you to support Judicial Watch at judicialwatch.org. And, uh, and I also encourage you to share the wealth in terms of the information you hear in this video or you see online in our various uh, uh, platforms, uh, certainly at judicialwatch.org and everywhere else we're at. So with that, I wish you the best and I'll see you here next time on the Judicial Watch Weekly Update. Thanks for listening to the Judicial Watch Weekly Update with Tom Fitton. For more information, visit www.judicialwatch.org because no one is above the law.